You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, and every two weeks, I have an inspiring conversation with an ordinary person leading an extraordinary life. I've asked Janie Bothorpe, author of the book and website, Stop the Thyroid Madness, to return to the podcast. Her conversation was the most listened to, and I thought that after three plus years, it would be good to have an update on where we stand with thyroid issues. Janie Bothorpe is a hypothyroid patient herself who spent nearly 20 years on Synthroid, a thyroid treatment which did nothing for her. She went from doctor to doctor for help, only to be told, it's not your thyroid. Janie began to realize that the burden of getting well was on her shoulders. And after going through so many doctors who weren't helping, she was getting to the point of preparing to apply for Social Security Disability. On her own, she found out about using T3 in her treatment, not just T4. We'll talk about that. It totally changed her life, and she started a patient-to-patient movement where patients begin to share with each other. Everyone had similar problems with doctors from poor thyroid treatment, poor understanding of labs, poor understanding of other issues as a result of the poor treatment. Lots of pores here. (laughs) Patients started doing their own research, their own experiments, their own reading, and that birthed what Janie coined Stop the Thyroid Madness. She's authored three books on thyroid issues, and I will let her tell you about them and how Stop the Thyroid Madness website has been changing lives. Hi, Janie. Welcome back. Hi, Janine. I'm so glad to be back. I am too. Now, we've just talked for about 40 minutes, and we decided we better... (laughs) We better start the the recording because we could go on and on and on. There are so many many similar things we're working on together with our health and we're researching and and I know you've got so much to share. So take it away and, and, and tell us what is Stop the Thyroid Madness? How are you helping people with these issues? Well, when I, I didn't have the name for the movement when I started the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I pretty much started in 2002 when my life made such a complete turnaround. Uh, at that time, thanks to natural desiccated thyroid, which had direct T3 in it, mm-hmm. um, it, it made such a turnaround that I became extremely angry. You know, why did I have to go 20 long, miserable years with problems and not one doctor told me what it was. They that, all that's just, a long it, time. <laughs> oh, it, you know, I, I still, you know, I raised children. I still live my life, but I played hor- horrible. I, uh, pr- pr- what's the word I'm looking for? Had horrible <laughs> prices, um, even though I still live my life. And mm-hmm. so I was angry and they all dismissed me. They all said, it's not your thyroid. I had to go through such painful tests and they were all okay. So my anger is what propelled me in 2002 to say, oh God, you know, we as patients need to talk. Um, This cannot be about the medical community because they were so backwards. And I saw other places where they were keeping people sick. So I formed this group and a lot of um, hypothyroid patients found it. And this was before Facebook, just right before and started joining left and right. And so we started talking and I told them what my experience was, how desiccated thyroid changed my life with T3 in it, how what I went through, the hell I went through with uh, 20 years of doctors who never, ever considered it was Synthroid. And through that group, we found out, my God, all of us have problems. There may be unique ways we have problems, but all of us were having problems. T4 was problematic. We were being dosed by the TSH. They weren't acknowledging that we genuinely had a cortisol problem. And I could go on and on and on. Well, also what that group was doing, people were getting mad with me. <laughs> and so so we started experimenting. You know, a lot of people were experimenting. We need to find out about this. We need to find out, for example, how to use cortisol because we knew there was this bad repercussions about, oh, cortisol is going to cause all these problems. So we read and we learned so much that it got to where by 2005, I was ready to name this movement, Stop the Thyroid Madness. The way uh, we all see it is there's madness in the medical community. They have been keeping us sick. They don't understand what they're doing. Um, to, and I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them. They're arrogant. They're condescending. Um, there are good ones coming up in between that. But it's been hell. 
um, ever since. And so that's what I created, a patient-to-patient movement based on our strong experiences and reports and wisdom. And that's what it's been about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, it, you know, I mean, there's, I always say there's a reason they call medicine a practice. And mm-hmm. um, I consider my body sort of, my, my body's my lab. <laughs> and yeah. you just have to experiment because we're all different too. And you have to experiment and see what works for you. So let's start with then what, for those who don't know, what is T4, T3, TSH? Um, how is T3 and T4 different? Okay, we, we know just from reading uh, very high-end science biology articles that a healthy thyroid basically is making five hormones, T4, T3, T2, T1, and calcitonin. And uh, of those, it's actually T3, which changes lives. Mm-hmm. That's the active hormone. Um, and, and, you know, the T2 does, does some things too. They all do something, but T3 is the active one. And, you know, finding that out, uh, we also know that your a healthy thyroid doesn't totally make you depend on conversion from T4, a storage hormone, to T3. Um, a healthy thyroid also gives you some direct T3. So you're not totally dependent on getting T3 from conversion. So that taught us why T4-only meds really don't work. I mean, there are definitely, they're gray areas. There are some people who feel better on it than others. And in other words, forcing their body to live for conversion alone. But then what we noticed is even those who do better in getting T3 from conversion, the longer they're on, the more problems creep up. And we see some weren't even admitting it. Um, I knew of a guy who was probably at that time in his 40s, maybe late 40s, and he could run circles around me. And all he was on was Synthroid. But then as I got to know him better, his wife was the one that admitted, well, he does have to take a nap every afternoon and he has high cholesterol. Those are both strong symptoms that it's not working. Right. So it became really clear, for example, that even though it's great to have some T4 in your treatment, it will convert to T3 for you. We need direct T3. Mm-hmm. Well, and not everybody, like I know um, for me, I don't convert very well. So I need the extra T3. Yep. I'm the same way. I did horrible on nothing but T4. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about, because I, I know w- when I moved and I changed doctors, um, and this was, your book was what the light bulb went on for me. Um, I accidentally ended up with, I was still on desiccated thyroid, but I wasn't taking, it wasn't slow release. And I was just taking one dose a day. It took a few years. My energy was decreasing and and getting worse and worse and worse. And then when I read your book and it said that most people need to be either on a slow release or take two doses a day. And I just went, oh my God, I don't think I'm on slow release anymore. So now I'm back on two, I'm on two doses a day, but it's taken a long time for me to get my energy back. Well, let me make one update. Um, Mm -hmm. We found, and I write about this in the book, that slow-release thyroid is not always great Mm. um, because it's a man-made development, especially in compounded meds, um, to cause it to just slowly release during the day. Um, But what happened on those kind of purposeful slow-release thyroid meds, especially NDT, is they would run out. It would run out at various times because it's man-made and imperfect, and people would still be feeling hypothyroid in the late afternoon. They ran out. So the way we learn to look at it is T4 is your slow release. T4 is constantly converting to T3 if you can make it convert. Mm -hmm. So if there are people like you and me who do terrible with conversion, then we learn for most of us, we probably should be taking it twice a day. So we kind of, we had to always come to conclusions based on what we were learning to tell the world. Mm-hmm. So we came to the conclusion that taking it first thing in the morning and early afternoon, or maybe up to 3 p.m. your time, mm-hmm. was the best way to take NDT. Um, because then it would be the T4, when, and I think I'm converting better now, I don't know, but the T4 would be converting to T3 in the background, 
Plus, we would be dividing the direct T3 during the day. Now, of course, there are going to be gray areas, but that's a general uh, way of doing it that we learned Mm -hmm. when we're having foreign T3 in our treatment. Okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, I think what you're saying is that if you do convert uh, T4 into T3 well, you don't necessarily have to divide the dose up then. Well, not that's also not necessarily true. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's so many gray areas. Mm. Um, even people who convert, um, their body doesn't do well with one dose. They they need that direct T3 spread out better. That's where there's some individuality. Uh, It seems like there's a lot of people who have to multi-dose when they have T4 and T3. There are other people that can do fine once a day. And I'm one that needs it twice a day because if I just take it in the morning, um, not only does the T3 go way too high in the next, uh, the direct T3 in the next two hours, but I kind of run out by afternoon. So I know that's what I have to do. Um, But then there was uh, Dr. John C. Lowe. And he had been taking, uh, I'm guessing, T3 long enough that he felt like it was uh, building in his tissues and the tissues were naturally releasing it. So he only took it once a day and did fine. So it's real individual and each person has to figure it out. But we had to come to this general uh, conclusion that most people need to do it twice a day, but everybody can decide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it really, I mean, people have to be willing to experiment if they're not feeling well. Yeah. You know, another thing that happens too, let's bring up the word optimal. Okay. I wasn't using that phrase for several years, um, but now the phrase fits. And it's it's not just about multi-dosing if you need to. It's also about where are you getting your freeze. So in the updated revision STEM book, which just came out uh, in 2019, I talk a lot about optimal. Optimal means your free T3 is at the top part of the range, and your free T4 is around, maybe slightly higher, mid-range. That is is where people don't lose their feel-goods. Because what we were seeing over the years, if your freeze are not optimal, then you eventually lose it. That's that's been happening a lot. People feel good at first on non-optimal doses with their free T3 and free T4, and they think, oh, I'm optimal because I feel good. Mm -hmm. Well, they weren't. Because at their own individual rate and time, it backfires and they get worse. So now I've been doing a lot of emphasis about saying, are you optimal? Is your free T3 optimal? If you're on both T4 and T3, is your T4 optimal? Mm-hmm. Free T4. That's really very important. Right. And I've, I, in my own experience, um, you know, I'll go, I'll I have my labs done and then I'll go in. Of course, he always wants to talk about TSH. And I'm like, you know, I'm not interested in the TSH. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I I, I look at where my T3 in my, like the last time I said, nah, he said, everything's in the normal range. And I'm like, no, nah, the T3 still needs to be higher. I do better when it's at the top of the normal range. Yeah. And, and so, because I think last time I went, I think my T3 was like, m- a little above mid and the T4 was a little below. So I figured I was safe in upping my, my uh, combination T4, T3 a little bit. Um, And, but I had to be firm, you know, I was like, this is, I know this is what works best for me and I want to raise it a little bit. So I think we raised it in the morning and we left my afternoon uh, the same. And I, you know, it's definitely been helping, but you you have to, you know, when they say, oh, it's in the normal range, um, you know, I remember in, uh, when was it, 2001 when I crashed and my endocrinologist coming and saying to me, oh, everything's normal. And I'm like, I still feel like shit. Exactly. And, and I remember the nurse taking me aside a little later and she said, you know, I found that most people do better if they're on the upper end end of the range and you're not, you're in the low end. Bam. And I'm like, Bam. thank you. <laughs> Patient experiences. Bam. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. So just being in the normal range isn't for most of us, isn't good enough. Nope, it's not. And, and you will feel better when you have T4 and T3 in your treatment. And if your labs are kind of mid range, everybody does feel better. It doesn't last. Mm -hmm. And that that's the crux, you know, that you're going to feel better before you're optimal and it will reverse itself. It's going to backfire. So we got to be optimal. And so that is mentioned a lot more now in the revised edition. It's the one with the blue gray background and the woman on the front with her fists in the air. (laughs) 
that fits. We're fighting. <laughs> now we're not out of the fight. Yeah, I know. Hell out there still. I know. Now the traditional medical model is that TSH, the TSH test, thyroid stimulating hormone, um, from the pituitary is, is the sort of the benchmark for how well you're doing. Now I know functional medicine doctors don't feel that way. Uh, thank goodness. But, uh, but the, you know, pretty much the traditional allopathic trained doctor still does. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh God, that is such a (laughs) terrible, it's terrible what they're doing. You know, I, when I wrote the, uh, the revision, the STEM book initially, you know, I did a lot of research and I found out now it may have been earlier than I stated, but by the 19, early 1970s, the TSH became very popular. I do now have somebody's telling me there was research that showed it might've been the sixties, but that's okay. It's around the same time that the TSH began being presented as the gold standard of knowing if you're hypothyroid or if you're not enough. And it's so funny about uh, doctors. It's like if if a medical school tells them to jump, they jump. They they believe everything they're taught. So they were believing that, oh, the TSH is how I'm going to detect hypothyroidism and how I'm going to dose people. Well, they were wrong. They're not paying attention. And, and an example for me, when I went right when the first book first came out, I had a, a good friend. She's now deceased, but we were good friends. And I went to her office. Uh, she invited me over and I was sitting there while she was talking to her doctor. Now, understand, I wrote about her. Her name is Kim. And I wrote about her as I sat there, knowing that she now had seriously low cortisol, was miserable, was very hypothyroid. Well, her TSH was in the ones. And I listened to her doctor say, no, it is not your thyroid. (laughs) I wanted to throw up. So that was a a, a firsthand experience that a lot of people can have a very good looking TSH in the ones and still be sick as a dog. (laughs) So it's a total failure. And it's just taking a while to get doctors to see this because they were taught otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I now it, tell me if I'm wrong, but if I re, if I remember correctly, um, the the TSH uh, normal range was uh, they came to that by I think it was was it like a hundred patients or something, and who were considered to be quote unquote normal, which you know who knows what that is, and that's how they decided what the range was. Well, it's, I kind of compare, this isn't really exactly what happens, but I kind of compare the development of ranges like a person in the facility standing on a street corner in Manhattan and, and pointing out, I want to test you. And the next person was, I want to test you. And the next person, I want to test you. It's just like, I mean, come on, you know, when you just, and they think they're weeding out people by the ways that they do it. They're not because when you look at the ranges based on what we've been observing now for almost two decades, they're picking people who are very hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. And they're and, and so they have this range now that includes very hypothyroid people and they call it normal because it's based on this this group of people and we tested all the results and we made a range. That is so dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're normal when you're very hypo that TSH is very hypo. It's clear now. Right. Okay. So what are some of the what are some of the symptoms of uh, you know, if somebody's wondering, aside from being tired, we, we know that's definitely a, a symptom of being hypothyroid, but uh, what are some of the symptoms that, you know, people might say they just don't feel well, they're just, they're wondering what's going on, but their doctor's saying, you know, your 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 labs are normal, um, but they've just got this nagging suspicion that there's still something going on with their thyroid. What are What are some of the symptoms? Well, it, it's going to vary, but the more common ones, and you might have some and not others, weight gain is very common. Of course, there's going to be a minority that lose. Mm-hmm. Not feeling right. That general, I don't feel right, is another. Um, having, uh, for especially for Hashimoto's patients, feeling a kind of a tightness in the throat, a swelling that doesn't feel right, um, that can be can be common. Uh, sometimes you don't even know it, and then it suddenly happens. Um, dry skin can be very common. Having poor stamina can be very problem. Uh, and one that's really common 
is afternoon fatigue. Of course, there may be a minor that don't feel that, but afternoon fatigue and the need for a nap is quite common. In some people, it didn't in me. Um, it can be resulting in some hair loss. You thought, what, what, why is my hair coming out? Um, depression um, is also one of the more common ones. Not everybody, but it's very common. Um, seeing cholesterol go up, that didn't happen to me, but it happens to other people. Happened Blood to me. pressure. Yeah, you see, so it's it's kind of individual, but my goal here is to say here are the more common ones based on individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when uh, I had my cholesterol tested and my my thyroid levels were still low, and and she wanted to put me on I don't know some statin or something. I'm like, no, this is this is a common well, symptom of my thyroid being out of balance. Let's get that yeah. taken care of first. Right, <laughs> I'm not right. going to take a statin anyway, but yeah. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's you know they I, there was a figure what was that recently I don't remember that we're, it's probably higher than we realize all the people out there that are hypothyroid and either know it or don't know it it's probably even higher than we realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about like iron levels? Uh... Oh my God, that is also common. You know, we, we had to figure these things out, and we did when I started this patient to patient movement. And what we figured out early on is that here's a simplified way of saying it. When you become hypothyroid, everything slows down. And one of the many things that slows down in your body is the ability of the cells that line your stomach to produce stomach acid. Mm -hmm. That slows down. Um, That's just a simplified version of why. So your stomach acid levels are falling. And why is that a problem? Because you need an acidic environment in your stomach to absorb nutrients. So that's why people start seeing their iron fall, their B12 fall, their vitamin D fall, and on and on. So that that's a result uh, in most people of being hypothyroid. Now, there could be the minority uh, that have autoimmune diseases and might have celiac and where they're not absorbing, nutri- absorbing nutrients. But what I'm saying is the most common reason for whether you have autoimmune Hashimoto's or whether you have a non-autoimmune cause of hypothyroidism. You slow down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a domino effect. Yes. You know, that was another thing that we saw in the early movement. I, I still re- regret that um, a lot of people nowadays don't see what we saw. They weren't there when I formed this group. They weren't there that we were experimenting. Um, and we saw it. I was there and there's still a lot of people alive who were there who saw that, wow, there's sure a lot of us that have low iron. Ah, wow, there's sure a lot of us who don't have optimal B12. Ah, you know, we all learn this by the seat of our pants and also learn where we need to fall in ranges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like with B12, a lot of people don't methylate well or they don't methylate Uh, at all. So instead of taking cyanocobalamin, you need to be taking methylcobalamin. Well, or you don't, you know, I, I, uh, we didn't know about MTHFR then that was 2002 and the subsequent years. And then it became more well known. And then we went, Oh, well, a methylation problem, which can, which means you're not breaking things down for use or to get rid of, Mm -hmm. um, can be due to MTHFR, but it can also be due to other causes. Now I'm an example. Um, I now have a methylation problem. I do not break down B12 well. It stays pretty dang high, but I only have one copy of 1298. Um, I don't think that's my cause. I think my methylation problem developed from the stress of of having a mold illness and then having the detoxing of high heavy metals. Mm -hmm. I developed a methylation problem. So, and you know what we, we have seen? Again, here's the power of patient experiences and observations. Once we learned about methylation problems, whether MTHFR or not, we saw a very key sign of a methylation problem. It is having high iron and low ferritin. Most of the time, it's pretty high percentage of those who have a good looking or high iron and a low uh, ferritin, they have a methylation problem. Interesting. Now, what? tell uh, the listeners, what is the difference between iron and ferritin? Thank you. That's another thing that was such a misnomer. You know, in the early years, everything we saw was about ferritin. Right. And we fell for it. Oh, we got to test our ferritin. Oh, we got to treat our ferritin. Well, it didn't. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing within a year or two, we realized, oh, my God, that's a mistake. Ferritin is storage iron. And ferritin is simply testing a protein which envelops and stores iron. 
we don't test ferritin because, like I said, we were seeing people with low ferritin and good or high iron. <gasps> oh, no, we didn't know why at the time we were seeing that. But, oh, God, we can't treat ferritin. And yet you still have doctors who say you got to go by your ferritin. And if your ferritin's high, you got to give blood. No, high ferritin is about inflammation. And low ferritin could be about low iron, but it also can be about good or high iron. You're not breaking it down for use. So I emphasize all the more, no, you need all four iron labs, serum iron, percent saturation, ferritin, and TIBC. You need all four of those to understand what's going on and what you need to treat. Now there I send people to the odds and ends chapter of the updated revision stem book to understand all this. Mm -hmm. Now, would you say those four again, just in case somebody wants to write those down? Uh, number The number one lab you need to pay attention to and treat is serum iron. Now, sometimes a lab will just say iron. Sometimes they will say total iron, but they're all the same thing. Okay. The second one is percent saturation. There is a reason that we want to know how saturated you are. The third one is ferritin. That is not what you're going to treat unless it's high. If it's high, that's about inflammation. Um, and I have a page called inflammation and in the odds and ends chapter to read about that. And then the final one is an acronym. T is in Tom, I, B is in boy, C is in cat. We want to know where that is to know if we need to take a protein called lactoferrin when we take iron. But that's all explained in the odds and ends chapter in the updated revision. You can go go to that book. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, I don't have the updated version. I've still got your older one. Yeah, it's it's I did a lot. Now, by the way, um, the updated revision, which got that gray-blue background on the woman with her fists up, it's going to look the same. It's going to have the same chapter titles. The chapters are going to start out the same, but that's where it ends. Because within the body, there were so many things I had to update. I had to take away products that aren't available anymore. I had to add the names of products that we switched to. Um, I had to update uh, things like about Optimal and I mean, there's so many more. I don't even need to go into all of them. But, but though it will look similar, it is not. And the two chapters that had the most updates are the adrenal chapters. Mm. So what I've been doing is, hey, hey guys, if you have done the saliva test and that's what you need to do, it's not about blood. Right. And and you know by your symptoms and those results that you've got a cortisol problem, you need to study chapter six because I've updated it and there are things in there that are not on the website. That's purposeful to get people to be responsible. So you need to read that chapter if you find out you have one. Okay, and it's my understanding because I know a lot of doctors just want to do a, a one-time uh, saliva test. You want to do it four times throughout the day to get the whole pattern. Yeah, you're going to spit when you wake up. You're going to spit approximately four hours later. So like if you were an 8 a.m. waker, it'd be noon. You're going to spit in the late afternoon and you're going to spit before bed. And some people make the mistake of not sticking to that schedule and it makes it hard to understand the results. So try to stick to the schedule. I do have a page on STEM that's called saliva-cortisol. That's in the URL. And that is a good explanation of using saliva. You cannot go by blood. And that ex page explains why. Right, right. And and it's a fair amount. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, you know, it's not that easy to spit all yeah, that up. <laughs> I, I had a gal this morning say, oh, my God, it's overwhelming. Of course it is, because I've been collecting. I've been collecting now for 17 and a half years. And I've been updating for 17 and a half years. We keep learning. So what I say to you is if you get the book, and I do recommend it, not for me, I, not, I recommend it for you too, that don't try to, it, it's not a novel, use it like a reference. Mm -hmm. So if you end up with the cortisol problem, dig into chapters five and six. You don't have to dig into the rest. If you don't understand why we don't recommend T4, dig into chapter one. You know, dig into the topics, topics as you need them and count on the fact that it's solid. It's based on nearly two decades of what we've learned and how we got well.
it's not an opinion book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I tell people, and because I've done this myself, don't be afraid to take your book into with you to your doctor's appointment. Oh God, don't because now I I will tell you that there are some doctors that if they see that they're going to go eh <laughs> eh who you shouldn't listen to who's Janie Bothorp you know that that kind of attitude. Well, can I uh, up their butts you know because you know. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I always say that I'm not a doctor, but I've been listening to patients where you guys have not. The doctors have often don't, not all of them, but they don't listen. I mean, I've heard, I've heard doctors say, well, my patients are all on T4 and they're doing well. Oh, BS. There are some that are doing lousy and you're attributing it to something else. But there are some doctors who, when you bring that, you know, let me back up. Actually, you can bring that into the doctor's office, but you know what's more important? That you have it in your head. Mm-hmm. That you went in there because like if you have an adrenal problem and you know you need, for example, aldosterone, you read that aldosterone section in chapter six, you get it in your head and you 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 present that you are informed. Here's what patients are doing. Here's how I want to do it. I would like a prescription for Florina, for example. Mm-hmm. You say it that way. You don't say, will you give me a prescription for Florina? You don't say it that way because they're going to say no. Right. A lot of them. You, you read that, you underline it, you highlight it, you take it in if you need to refer to it, but you present the solid information with self-confidence and you'll have a better chance of getting what you need. Right. Well said. Okay. So what's the relationship with thyroid issues and adrenal issues? Okay. That's something that sometimes people get wrong. When you have been on T for only, or when you fail to get optimal, you are stressing your body. And the way a body is going to respond to stress one way is through your adrenals. Your adrenals are like the knight in shining armor. It's going to try to save you. <laughs> so, what, so what the adrenals are going to do when you're still hypothyroid because you're on T4 or you're underdosed or you aren't even diagnosed, it's going to start releasing more cortisol. It does that to try to save you, to try to keep you going, to make you feel better. But the problem is it's going to go high and stay high for a while. And the body does not like long-term high cortisol. So what's the body going to do? It's going to drop it down to low cortisol. Now, that's where the last chapter of the STEM 2 book, it's the one that's white with a doctor's coat, because I, 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 had, doc, I had professionals uh, write the chapters. The last chapter brilliantly explains why we go to low cortisol. And you're going to go to low cortisol if you don't catch it. And now you've got a whole nother problem to treat before you're going to do well with T3 in your treatment. Why? Because you need cortisol and its interaction with blood sugar to enable T3 to get to the cells. And I compare cortisol like a taxi. The T3 will now have something to jump into the taxi of cortisol and now get to the cells because you're not going to get out of your hypothyroid state without the right amount of cortisol and you'll continue to stress your adrenals. Interesting. (laughs) That's a really important point. And um, I've actually, I think that's the best that I've heard that explained. So thank you. Good. And I have, I updated that in the book. (laughs) So there are two, uh, just to be clear for people. So there are two Stop the Thyroid Madness books. Well, there's three books related to STEM. The first one is now the updated revision. Right. Um, the one before it was good, but this one's way better. Okay. The second one um, just came out, and it's Hashimoto's Taming the Beast. You know, I didn't push getting the book out right away because I was sick and because there's other people who've done a great job. Um, but I decided to get it out a little differently. I made it more of a patient-to-patient book, number one. Um, There's four distinct chapters that are very patient to patient, and I attempted to make it easier to read. Now, there's, well, let me explain. I avoided long stories. You're not going to find long stories in there to get through. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I avoided friendly chit chat. I made it to the point so that you can read what you need to know now and with brain fog, not have to dig through chit chat or long stories. I think I only have one long story in there. I did that on purpose. And and no, that's not a criticism of other books, but my goal was to make it way more patient to patient and a little bit faster to get through. And, and then I added a, a page after each chapter for notes. I said, here, write down the page you like, what you want to remember. 
there's that page to write it down with and whatever follows it. Nice. So, and then there's a, there's a total chapter in there. I'm pretty proud of what I did. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's, but it's pretty cool. Um, I have one chapter that is 96 short testimonies of how patients got their antibodies down. So again, I didn't make it long. I just said, each patient said, this is what I used. This is how I got them down. And there's other chapters like that. So I highly recommend it. And my drawings are in there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Janie, for people who don't know, what is the difference between hypothyroid and Hashimoto's? Well, actually, there's no difference that that Hashimoto is going to lead to hypothyroid. Right. It's the difference is between what leads to it. Right. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune version that leads to hypothyroid. That means the thyroid is being attacked and the bottom line to this attack is genetics. Um, then you're going to have different triggers. So a lot of people get the autoimmune version that leads to hypothyroid, meaning the thyroid's being attacked, 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 like it's some vile enemy, and you end up with hypothyroidism. On the other side of the coin, there are those that didn't have an autoimmune cause. I'm one of those. There are a whole bunch of different causes of non-autoimmune causes. Now I get it that my cause was probably because I was sleeping in a room filled with mold back then. And it was harming my thyroid. I I finally figured that out several years ago. That was my cause. There are some that have a pregnancy cause Mm -hmm. and they don't always get autoimmune. There are some that have a toxin cause. Um, There are some that have EBV cause. That's not the only cause, even though it's been presented that way. There are so many causes that I recommend you go to the page on STEM called uh, causes of hypo and see which one most likely fits you. Mm -hmm. And I imagine there are different tests for Hashimoto's. Um, well, there's two antibodies, and that is another problem. Um, I think, if I don't remember, I think it was the 90s or late 80s, where some guy said, oh, it's about anti-TPO. It's about the attack on the peroxidase of the thyroid. And because he only mentioned that, there are doctors to this day that only test one. That's a mistake, because it could also attack your thyroglobulin. So there's anti-TPO. And there's antithyroglobulin, and you can read about it in the book, what those mean. Mm-hmm. So you could be high in one and not high in the other. So what if your doctor only tests the one you're not high on? Mm-hmm. And then say, you don't have Hashimoto's, but you might. So that's what's in the book. You need to read about those two tests, which will most of the time, there are times it won't, say you have Hashimoto's. There is a silent version of Hashimoto's, which I talk about where you don't have high antibodies and you have to have a scan of your thyroid to see that you're being attacked. But that's talked about in the book. Mm -hmm. And is the treatment different? No. Um, You still have to do whatever you can do to adequately treat the result of your hypothyroidism and for those to bring their antibodies down, to, to make the attack go down. And boy, I got a lot of good information from patients about how they did that in that book. Okay. Uh, can you give a little summary of how they did that? Oh, it's it varies. You know, there are some uh, that being on desiccated thyroid alone lower their antibodies. Mm-hmm. And we got to mm-hmm. talk about desiccated thyroid before we leave. Right. There are some, believe it or not, that iodine alone brought their antibodies down. Others, it raised them because of the detox. Um, but, but some, it did. Um, there are some that needed to go to LDN, low-dose naltrexone. That's also talked about. There are some that have bad reactions to certain foods. And once they remove those foods from their diet, the attack stopped. So it goes on and on. There are a variety of things. Even stress can do it. So that's why I combined all those things from patients. These are all the different causes that you need to figure out what is yours and treat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. I had a question and it just left. Darn it. Oh, you're left <laughs> We've got to be distantly related. <laughs> I call them my senior moments. Yeah. Uh, darn. I have, red, I have red hair in my family. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I do too. Um, yeah. Well, usually while, while I'm talking to my guest, if I have a question, I'll just quick jot something down so that when they're done, you know, talking, I can ask it. Well, and I didn't do that this time. What's happened today? Let's talk about desiccated thyroid. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. I, I, I want to, before we leave, I want people to hear this because not everybody's hearing it because they're busy, not on the website. They've all gone south mm-hmm. and, um, except one, uh, but let me explain. So um, how, what's happened? Well, happened. I'm going to explain. Okay. Um, I want 
if you don't believe me or you want more information, I want you to go to the STEM website and to the blog, stopwiththyroidmadness.com forward slash blog. Because back in September, or maybe it was after that, there's a blog that's named The Sad Saga of, of What Has Happened to Hypothyroid Patients. So just remember, Sad Saga. Well, I'm and going so, to put a link right on the webpage so people okay, can Yeah, I did just say the whole it. thing, but okay. uh, that explains to you what had happened. In other words, okay. it started around 2009. Um, we saw armor change, um, and people were getting their hypothyroid symptoms back. And then it happened again in 2015 with armor. Um, then uh, after that, people were moving over to Urfa. I was one. And then it changed. And I give you the date of when it started changing meaning people getting their hypothyroid symptoms back. Um, then we had natrethoid change. In other words, it stopped producing in 2008. They stated, I'm pausing there, that they were updating their machinery. I think it's more than that. Um, when it came back out in mid uh, round, let's just say summer of 2018, nobody did well. I mean, it was hmm. bad. And it's still occurring to this day. Um, then the, 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 uh, WP, we didn't know at first, but now we're seeing a rising body of people not doing well on WP made also by RLC that makes nature mm-hmm. Um, and then the last remaining wonderful product changed. Um, it changed by the end of summer in P thyroid, and it was probably the worst change. People were reporting burning of stomach, uh, burning of their esophagus, nausea, hypothyroid. It was the worst change. Wow. What is going on? I mean, are the, uh, is the formula changing or are there the ingredients changing or what? Well, yes. Um, here's what we surmise. Now, understand um, that pharmaceuticals are very secretive. Mm. They're not going to tell you everything. That's what we've noticed unless they're forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, what appears to be happening, this is a guess. So don't say, JD says this. This is what we're guessing. <laughs> There used to be a facility in Arkansas that made most of the porcine powder for all the pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. and it stopped. Now, there's rumors it's because China bought it out or China owns a lot of the pigs in the U.S. We don't know the truth. So when somebody says, well, this is why, we don't know. We just know they weren't getting it from there anymore. And then we noticed that there were some getting it from China. And now today we are suspicious. And by the way, armor still somewhat works, but I'll go into that. Now we wonder what's going on. We know that Acela finally, I think, was forced to admit what they changed is where they're getting it. They just will say Europe, secrecy, secrecy. Mm-hmm. Um, yet what's the burning in the stomach? But what has been common as we enter 2020 is the ones that are causing problems for people smell like what people are terming cat piss or lovely or kitty litter. Now it it doesn't matter if you don't like that term. It's (laughs) It's far worse than it used to be. And with it has come a a change. It's not doing what it used to do. Now, granted, you're going to see people say, I'm doing wonderful on nature. I'm doing wonderful on MP, but, and they don't like me to say this. They get mad. But what we're noticing is they're not. Their freeze are not optimal anymore. And they, a lot of people don't want to admit that. So it's going to backfire. Um, or they still have an old batch. And they get mad at me. Oh, you're just discounting. You're bashing. No, we're not. We're reporting what we're seeing. That some people are still able to get a good batch. Or they're not really paying attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we're glad some people feel that they feel better. But we're really not seeing strong evidence that it's going to last. So the only one left, so here's the conclusion. Armor must have made some changes and people are still benefiting from armor if they get optimal freeze. Mm -hmm. So we do mention that. I just mentioned what we're noticing. And a lot of people are moving over to T4 with T3. I didn't say T4 only. I said T4 with T3 and getting optimal. Thyroid S, a Thai brand, is still being made. It's getting harder to find. They say they're going to increase production. That is still working with all those ridiculous fillers. Compounded, uh, there are still a few pharmacies using compounded porcine from PCCA. That's a, a, a facility that produces porcine for compounders. But at the time of this recording, we're seeing a growing body of people on the PCCA porcine in compounded that are having problems. I'm not happy about that. Um, 
Also, there are over-the-counter versions. I mean, Nutrameds has been around a long time, seems to be stronger, and it's working for some. And I'm not going to go over all the over-the-counter. There are others that you'll hear people mention, Mm -hmm. um, but up to you whether you want to try it. Just I would have something else on hand as a backup in case you get a bad batch, but those are still working. So that is where we're headed today, whether it makes people angry or not. That's what we're noticing. And I think personally that T4 and T3 and getting optimal has to, is right now the strongest option for consistency. So there you go. Wow. Our, I mean, it doesn't sound like any of them are as good as they used to be. Is that no, what you're saying? I oh. am saying that. And that's not my opinion. I mean, even though armor is working for people, it's not what it used to be. And, you know, a lot of people come in this field, not field, come into this hypothyroidism and they come into groups. And they don't, they don't have any experience with what it used to be like. They don't know. And I want everybody to listen to me. It used to be, all of it used to be wonderful. All of it used to work. And it was consistent from dose to dose. It was very rare that it wasn't. It used to be heaven. It is not anymore. That's depressing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are, I, I suppose if, I mean, I can see the the one that you said uh, burnt people's stomachs. You know, just forget that one. What one was that? NP thyroid. Mm. Okay. So, but it sounds like perhaps some of them aren't as, um, what's the, I guess, just strong as they used to be. And maybe you even have to go above normal in your labs to Maybe, because be understand that in all these observations and reports, there have been even some who kept going higher and higher and higher. That was with Naturethoid and still didn't get well. So it's all across the board as none of them are what they used to be. Can you find one that works for you? You can try. Um, we're never going to criticize you, but we're going to say to you, it's not what it used to be. Hmm. And the only thing consistently working well is T4 and T3. If you get optimal, yes, some of the over-the-counter ones will work, but there's occasional bad batches for some. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, armor's working, um, but you still have to get optimal and some are having trouble, not all. You just have to be aware that they're not what they used to be. And some are adding T3 to them and feeling better. So it's just up to you. And I, I talk about this in that sad saga blog post, mm-hmm. scroll down, and I try to keep that updated of what people are using and how they're doing it. Okay. So is if the pharmacist compounds it, is that any better or no? No. Because yes, there is a source it's called PCCA of a porcine that has been working if they compound it, but guess what? Remember what I said, we are today when this is recorded seeing more and more people report the cat piss smell in compounded and with the cat piss smell or kitty litter smell, whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. has come a high percentage of people who aren't doing as well. Hmm. Why is, why did they just use porcine? Well, they are using porcine. No, I said, why, why they can't, they don't, why don't they use other animals? Because they, 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 they have, you know, uh, let's see, 120 years ago, um, they were using sheep and, um, there are other animals they were using. I have a bottle of sheep desiccated thyroid. Um, but they just found over the years that pig is more pig, pig is more compatible to human. Mm. So they moved over to human. Now the, uh, they moved over to pig. Yeah. Human. human. (laughs) Oh, wouldn't that be awful? Anyway. um, (laughs) The over-the-counter is using bovine. It's a little bit different ratio, but it has been working. Um, we have found that New Zealand bovine is a cleaner product and works better than right. Argentina bovine. Um, it seems Argentina has seemed weaker, um, but they are using bovine successfully. There just are occasional problems because they're not as regulated um, you just have to be aware of that. Like thyro gold has been around a long time, but they occasionally have bad batches more than I see with thyro vans. 
But that can happen to any of them. You just have to accept that, that if you're going to go with over the counter, you may be like some people and go years, or you may be like some that encounter a bad batch. You just, so that's why if I, I have, I have a lot of time before I choose what I'm going to move to. Mm -hmm. If if I move to one of the over the counter, I'm going to have a backup of T3 just in case Mm -hmm. that's me. Mm -hmm. What about, what does somebody who's a vegetarian and they really don't want to ingest anything uh, animal. What what do they do? They can. They've always been able to do T four and T three and get them optimal. Mm-hmm. That's not animal. Got it. So that's what synthroid and uh, what's the others? Cytol uh, and the other versions of T three. Um, they're they're man made and they work. You just have to get optimal. Mm-hmm. You know, we just the reason that we headed towards natural thyroid. Back then, I did why STEM brings it up a lot. It's it's beautiful. It had all five hormones. It's natural. It just made sense. You know, why not go with what's natural and has all five hormones? It was great while it lasted. But it's kind of ended to the degree we used to have it. It is not what it used to be. It was a honeymoon. It was wonderful for years. Now it's not as good. Um, so it doesn't mean that you can't succeed with synthetic T4 and synthetic T3 if you get optimal. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what optimal it is throughout the updated revision STEM book. By the way, the updated revision STEM book is a companion book to Hashimoto's Taming the Beast. They work with each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I mean, it almost throughout the conversation here, I'm thinking maybe it's safer to go with the the synthroid and the cytomel? I think so, but mm-hmm. that's me. I am worried of going over to animal-based again. I'm worried, well, will armor change? I'm not predicting that. Don't misword me, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it. And who knows? You know, you've got all these things going on with contamination. I, I don't know. It's, it's a question mark. It's up to each individual. And I cannot say right now what I'm going to change to when I, I've got quite a lot of the old NP. I've got a lot, quite a lot of thyroid S, but the time's going to come. I'm going to have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and I it don't, would, it would be such a shame to, uh, to backslide, you know? Oh my God. It's not really backsliding per se. It works. It's just changing. And who would have guessed that Janie Bothorpe, the, the the creator of Stop the Thyroid Madness, which highly promoted what was natural and worked, may someday have to go to T4 and T3. But you know what? I accept it. My goal is to say to people, here's what people are doing well on, and here's how they're doing well. If I have to change that focus to T4 and T3, I will. Right now, it's mixed. Um, right now, there are some desiccated thyroids that work. By the way, when the book came out, uh, NP hadn't changed. So I did say that NP was still good. Well, just forget that one sentence. <laughs> mm. It's not. All the rest in that book is solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying armor still is pretty good. Are there any others? I mean, if you go to your doctor right now and or you talk to your pharmacist, you know, what, what ones do you... Armor. If, if you, based on what we're observing, not based on my opinion, mm-hmm. based on what we're observing, armor is still working for the majority. There is a minority that have problems, but the majority it's working for. So if you want to stay with desiccated thyroid prescription, especially that's your first choice right today. Will it be the same way by December? I don't know, but mm-hmm. right now thyroid S also still works um, until the day comes that it starts smelling like cat piss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what will happen, but right now it hasn't. And it works, even with all those stupid and silly fillers. Some of the -the over-the-counter bovine are working. Mm -hmm. Um, Just be prepared. So Mm. go. If you want to go, stay with the Mm animal-based. You know, it's it's interesting because, I I mean, there's so many variables and so many factors. And you're trying to get it right. And you can't even count on now the medication you're taking to... No, you can. You can count on T4 and T3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess the only ones that might not, and they are in the great minority, are those who react to fillers. It is a minority, but they some people do react to fillers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people that are saying, oh, I can't take synthetic. Well, they're saying that because they remember how bad T4 was. 
we're not talking about T4 alone. Mm-hmm. We're talking about T4 and T3 and getting optimal. So right. if you're not highly sensitive to fillers, it's very consistent. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting, I mean, I, I think the reason, because I was on T4 and T3 and I switched to desiccated, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but I, I thought, if I recall, one of the reasons I wanted to switch was because you weren't getting the other, the T2 and... It, it had, uh, it has, has had, and that's sad. Some, we think it has some direct T2, some direct T1, but, and calcitonin. Well, we won't be getting the calcitonin taking T4 and T3, but guess what? Our bones can still be healthy because it's T3 that makes our bones healthy and being optimal. Mm. We just won't have that calcitonin anymore. um, But I think we can survive without it if we're forced to. Mm -hmm. And you can always, you know, another thing you can always do, I'm open to everything right now. You can take some of the -the over-the-counter bovine and get some of that stuff. And then if you want to add T3 to it, you know, so if it, if you get a bad batch, you're at least still getting T3. Got it. Got it. Got it's just it. up to each individual. But what is not up to each individual is the fact that if you don't get optimal with those freeze, it will eventually backfire. The individual part is when it will backfire. Some people have backfired in three years. Some people have backfired in two months. But it's going to backfire. Mm-hmm. You end up with stressed adrenals. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. not worth it to go just by how you feel. You're going to feel good before you're optimal. We see that all the time. So don't just go by how you feel. Also check those freeze and are they optimal? Okay. And what's the, uh, what's the minimum time um, at, like if you change your, uh, change your prescription, change your amount or whatever, uh, what's the minimum amount of time that you should wait to get your labs done again? Well, it varies. You know, there, we know that one grain of most desiccated thyroid contains 38 micrograms of T4 and 9 micrograms of T3. So, for example, um, if you were on uh, three grains, then uh, if 38 micrograms is in one grain of T4, then 38 times 3 equals the amount of T4. Okay. If you were on three, 9 micrograms of times 3 equals the T3. Got it. So that's three grains. So now you can switch over to the equivalent amount of T4 and T3. But some people have found that too stimulating, as if the synthetic T3 was stronger than the natural T3. Mm. It may be wise to take a little less than your equivalent and give it a couple of weeks and then test your free T3 and free T4. See how you're doing on a little less of the equivalent T4 and T3, and then tweak if you need to. Okay. And you know what else we're noticing? Mm. Um, a lot of people have, uh, have unfortunately, stayed on the bad products. They've stayed on bad nature thoid thinking they're fine. They've stayed on the bad NP with that cat piss thinking they were fine. Um, you know, I did a, a terribly good job of convincing people that NDT is the way to go. So they, they've <laughs> held on too long, uh, and they've, they will not face it. They're not good like they used to be. You know what happens? They've acquired an adrenal problem. Mm. So move over to the equivalent and they way overreact as you're going to do when you have an adrenal problem. So I don't think it's always wise to hang on to these when we're making it quite clear it's not what they used to be. Some people are and they end up with an adrenal problem. They switch to T4 and T3 and they overreact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I know I'm going to talk to my pharmacist because my pharmacist is also, they're pretty... um, they're they're very open. They're they're pretty holistic, okay. and they're very well educated on natural things. I've been I've been pretty impressed, actually. Um, Good. So I'm going to talk to them about this. You would not believe the things we hear from the mouths of pharmacists over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good one that is open minded and doesn't make things up, more power to you because mm-hmm. so many of them make things up. Just so if you got a good one, hooray. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty lucky. That's why I switched over to this pharmacy. They've taken a lot of training in, in different areas. They're more functionally medicine oriented. They're, um, they just, they, they have a lot of good knowledge. Good. So, wow. Well, is there any, anything that uh, you haven't said that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, I, I think I would say don't panic. I mean, it's a change. It's sad. NDT is not what it used to be. 
armor can still work, but if we have to change, we'll make it work. I'm, I'm about what will work Mm -hmm. and I will continue to update. Like I update on the blog. I don't, I, I don't do the blog anymore. Just constantly. I do it when something important comes up, keep track of the STEM blog. Um, I've got a STEM Facebook page. We're trying to corral people who want to get off the subject of patient experiences and wisdom, but you've got a lot of good information out there and stop STEM and I will try to keep you informed as we listen to patients. So it'll be okay. Um, we can make these things work. We'll just have to relearn things. Mm-hmm. So hang in. and, and, and be open-minded to patient experiences because some people still think their doctor hangs the moon and they may not. So just listen, get the book and listen to patient experiences also. Right. Well, in my experience, you know, there are some doctors who are really interested in this area and they're a lot more open uh, yeah. to new things. And it kind of, de- I think sometimes it kind of depends on where their personal interest lies and, you know, how much effort they put into uh, learning a lot about it. And, you know, not everybody this, you know, this is their forte. So y- you want to find someone. Personally, I would first, you know, try to find a functional medicine doctor. Um, and if there isn't one in your area or one that, you know, you can work with, at least try to find somebody who's more knowledgeable about this. Well, I, you know, we've gotten to the point where we say, because there's way more non-knowledgeable doctors than knowledgeable mm-hmm. still, we say what we need to look for is a doctor we can influence. Right. Who'll listen to you. Yeah. Who will listen to what you're learning and let you try it. Um, they may not be really good, for example, with iron, but they'll listen to you about T4 and T3 or blah, blah, blah. So you, that's why the way to get well is to become informed as a patient. That's why you want to read the book, um, not like a novel, but piece by piece and go in there with self-confidence. Here's what patients are doing. Here's how I want to do it. Please prescribe me this. That's different than saying, will you help me? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Got to be informed to get well in the craziness that's going on right now. Absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, uh, my last appointment, I told uh, you and I were talking before about mitochondrial issues, and um, I told him what the supplements that I was taking to help repair the mitochondria, and he actually wrote them down. I was like, wow. cool. <laughs> He was interested enough to write them down. Um, So I thought that was pretty cool. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, you're so well-informed and I really, I know you work really hard at what you do. Um, Oh, so uh, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way? I have to say that I don't have enough hours in the day to one-on-one connect to people. If you want to connect with partly me and patient-to-patient information, there's a Facebook page. Okay. If you want to do a one-on-one paid coaching call, um, just go to STEM and scroll down. You'll see a bar. What color is it? I don't even remember. Is it green or purple? You'll see a bar that goes across as you scroll down that talks about coaching calls, and you can click on that. Um, that's really all I have time. To- I got to make a living. I'm not born with a golden spoon. So that's one way I make my living mm-hmm. in coaching calls. And the book and the blog, um, there's, and there, there are groups out, there was one huge group on Facebook that primarily focuses on patient to patient information. Um, so there, there are ways to connect kind of like that. Okay. But definitely getting your book and going to the stop the thyroid madness website. Yeah. And, and, the and getting your emails. Cause you, I, I like getting your emails. There's always a lot of good, uh, updated information in your emails. Good. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been wonderful again. (laughs) And um, I I really hope that everybody gets a lot out of this because I know it's, it's kind of a confusing topic and you know, there's just, there's conflicting, so much conflicting information out there and you know, you have to balance it all and you've got to, you've got to figure out, it takes effort, but you have to figure out what's right for you. Yeah, what is opinion versus what is solid patient experiences and wisdom? Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. And you've got to determine that. And uh, yeah. your your work will definitely help people do that. Good. I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much, Janie. I really appreciate your coming on again. You're welcome. I'm always willing to do it. So <laughs> let me know. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening. And thank you so much, Janie Bothorpe, for all you do to help those suffering with thyroid imbalance. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen to or download episodes and click on... (laughs) and click on links to my guest's information. Sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep on... Wow, I can't talk today. Sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep up on new episodes, archives, interesting topics, and healthy recipes. And remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And please check out my podcast YouTube channel if you prefer video slideshows. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Janie Bothorp? I'm sure you do. Please share the love. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.